In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, today we're going to start on the Seventh Commandment in our series about the Ten Commandments. Um, does someone remember all of the commandments so far that we've studied? Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. This is the first commandment. Second commandment. Like covet is later. Covet is actually the, the tenth commandment. The second commandment is do not make any false go false idols, like don't make any carved images. Okay? And then the third. Hmm? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay. And then that's that's after. Not yet. Do not what? No, not yet. No. Remember, the first four commandments are about what? Are focusing on God. And then the, the last six are focusing on man. So what's the other one? Focusing on God. Do not take the, the Lord's name in vain. That's good. <laughs> and then the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. And then the sixth commandment is the one we finished last time. Do not murder, right? And we actually make the distinction between murder and killing because God did command to kill uh, many times um, in the Bible. Um, but murder was um, different. Okay, so, so those are the, the six commandments we've covered so far. Today, God willing, we're going to start on the seventh commandment. Uh, you shall not commit adultery, okay? This sin of adultery is sin that St. Paul says is actually a sin against our own bodies. Um, he says in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So I then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he's saying uh, every other sin that I commit is like outside of myself, meaning like if I lie, I lie to another person. If I kill, I kill another person. If if I covet, I covet what is another person's. Even the the, the commandments related to God, like if I take the name of the God of the Lord's uh, name in vain, again it's a sin against God. Whereas the the sin of sexual immorality is a sin that actually defiles us. And when we are defiled, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are de defiling the temple of God. And this is why the, the, the sin of sexual immorality is something that is like very, very serious. The sin of adultery is against our own body by defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when, when he says adultery, he's meaning all types of sexual immorality. Um, so technically, the term adultery means um, like a person who is married, who is um, lusting after or having sexual relationship with someone else outside of marriage. That's officially what adultery is. The word fornication is referring to uh, sexual relation outside of marriage for a person who is not married, right? But here this term is used um, in a general sense. 
whether a person is married, a person is not married. And of course, we know in the New Testament, the Lord takes this even a step further. And he says, this is not just the physical act of sexual immorality, right? But it is even at the level of the thoughts, right? Which we'll, we'll speak about. Um, in Galatians 5.19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. So he's, 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 he's grouping adultery. St. Paul is grouping adultery and fornication um, along with other sins, saying these are the works of the flesh, right? This is the desires of the flesh, right? But it doesn't mean that this is sanctified or acceptable in the eyes of God. In Colossians 3, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, so again, the, 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 the putting to death your members which are on the earth is talking about the flesh, right? We are made up of both body and spirit, okay? And so the body has certain desires, right? And actually, the desires for sexuality is not a sin in itself. Actually, every desire that God put in us is, is good, right? He placed in us desires that are good. Um, everything that we say we should refrain from is not because we are saying that those things are bad, but God created them to be used in a certain way, and if you use them contrary to the way that they are to be used, right, then you injure yourself, right? Just like, um, you know, our eyes are, are designed to be used a certain way, right? And we have to protect our eyes, otherwise they will not see. You know, if you take sand and you rub it on your eyes, you're going to damage your eyes, right? It's going to damage the way your eyes are functioning. They're not going to function, right? So you're harming yourself, by using your senses that God gave you in the wrong way. So it is not saying that you should close your eyes because seeing is bad. No, seeing is good. But if you try to use your eyes in a, in a way that shouldn't be used, you will hurt yourself, right? The same is true with the sexual desire. God created the sexual desire, and the sexual desire is good. And he created a place for us to, 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 to fulfill and express that sexual desire that has other positives, like other positive characteristics associated with it. So when he created marriage, he said it is in the confines of marriage that you are free to express your sexual desire and your sexual um, act, right? But it is the, the purpose of it is not simply just for like self-gratification. The purpose helps with like creating a bond between the husband and the wife for actually strengthening the family, right? There is, there is, there is, there is something that God created it for beyond just like the self-pleasure. But when people take the, the sexual desire and they try to fulfill it in a way contrary to the way that God designed, then it, does, that it n loses all of the characteristics of the blessings that God created it for and actually becomes harmful. Becomes harmful to me. Becomes harmful to the family. Someone, for instance, is married and has a sexual relationship outside of marriage. It's harmful, right? Um, Someone who becomes consumed with lust, for instance, <coughs> people who become addicted to pornography can destroy people's lives, right? So all of the ways that human beings try to express and satisfy the sexual desire contrary to the way that God intended results in damage to the self and damage to the people around us and damage to our spiritual life. Again, just like a person is rubbing sand on their eyes, it is, it is contrary to the way that God designed it to be. Right. So in everything that we're going to speak about, because sometimes people think that the church is against sexuality or the, the church speaking always in the negative about sexuality, like we think it's a bad thing. No, actually, it's a it's a, it's a great thing. It's a thing that God created for good. 
And he actually, you know, God could have made procreation. Like procreation is something, of course, necessary, right? Like without procreation, there would be no human beings. So we, we know for sure procreation is necessary. And yet God chose something like sexuality to be the means of procreation. So if God didn't want us to, to have sex, right, then he would have made it something completely optional. That's not something that had to be done. You know, no, it, this is actually something necessary that must be done, right? So he created something that must be done, and he created it to be something that is pleasurable and something that is enjoyable, but only if it's used in the right way. If you use it in the wrong way, then it actually becomes destructive and harmful and, 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 and results in nothing good. <coughs> um, idolatry in the Old Testament, God considered it to be adultery. Because remember that the relationship between God and his children is like a marriage relationship. He considered his people to be like his bride. That even now in the church, right, we are the bride of Christ. So we are betrothed to him. We are in a, a, a unity with him like a marriage. Okay, like a marriage. So when his people uh, followed idols, or worshipped idols, what is it that they were doing? They were betraying the relationship between them and God. Just like a person who, who is in a married relationship has an affair. Right? They go after another person. So when the people of God were going after other gods, God considered this to be adultery, spiritual adultery. In Judges 2.17, it says uh, about the people, it says, Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. So see the, 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 the wording that was used to describe their sin? the sin of idolatry, of worshiping other gods, it says they played the harlot, right? They were prostitutes. They prostituted themselves by worshiping these other gods. In Jeremiah chapter 3, the Lord said also to me in the day of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me, but she did not return. Actually, one of the famous stories in the Bible was for the prophet Hosea. Hosea, um, oftentimes the way that God wanted to communicate a spiritual message to the people is he would ask the prophet, whom of course as a human being the people could see, they, he would ask him of course to say certain words and to speak, right, to teach, but he would also ask them to do certain actions that would, that would be like a symbol of what is it that the people are doing with God. So in order for the people to understand their harlotry, their idolatry, their adultery that they are committing against God, he, would tell, he told this prophet Hosea, go and marry a harlot, like an actual woman who's a prostitute. He had him marry this prostitute woman. And, and she betrayed him. Okay, she, 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 she left him and she went with another man. Right. So all of the people, knowing the prophet, saw all that happened. Right. And God said, what she did to the prophet is the same thing that you're doing to me. Right. Can you imagine like God asked a person to do this? Right. Because because he wanted them to understand the magnitude and the depth of the sin of this adultery that they are committing against him um, in, in a spiritual sense. So this also is adultery. God expresses wrath against those who are sexually immoral. In Jude chapter 7, it says, As Sodom and Gomorrah 
and the cities around them in a similar manner to these have given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire now with the story of of how god destroyed the city of sodom right sodom was a very wicked city lot who was a righteous man and his family were living in the city of sodom but god deemed that the city was so wicked and the their wickedness was the, the, the sin of sexual immorality homosexuality right that God said, I was going to bring fire from heaven to destroy the city, right, because of their sin. And he told Lot to leave the city, and then he brought down fire and he burned the city. Like, this is how extreme, like, God's reaction is to the sin of sexual immorality. Also, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell, right? So these people who are being punished because of their sexual immorality. Also, adultery is one of the main causes for the dissolution of marriage, meaning the ending of marriages, right, and the breaking of families because of, uh, because of adultery. In Matthew 9, 19.6, so then they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. One of the reasons that adultery is such, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, 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 that people are, are warred against with is because it's one of the means that the devil knows that if he can conquer us, it can break the family apart. And the family is actually the greatest uh, uh, unit in the church for the, the raising of children, right? For the, for, the, for the carrying on and the passing down of Christian values and Christian morality and the Christian faith. It is the family, right? We were speaking at the Ark on Saturday about how um, the, the church is here to like help the family, right? Like um, in the early church, there was no church buildings like we have now, right? The church was the people and the, the priests and the bishops, they would travel from place to place. They would pray in people's homes. People would gather together. They would pray liturgies in the, in the homes. They would baptize. They would take confessions. They would, everything that would be done would be done in the community of the believers because that is the church. There was no church building, right? Um, now, of course, by the grace of God, we have church buildings because it makes the worship of God easier. We don't all have to fit in one person's house, right? We can come to a larger space and we can all come together and can worship God together. But the idea of the church building is not the same thing as the church, right? The church is the people, right? So even how, where is the primary means by which, like, uh, children learn the faith? It should not be in the church, actually. Like, the church supports the family. The church has Sunday school. The church has, you know, other classes and other ways to encourage kids and to learn about the faith. But all we are doing in the church for like one or two hours a week is supporting what the kids are going to be learning at home. Whatever they learn at home is whatever they're going to be. Okay? Just to put it very clear. Whatever they learn at home is what they will be. If the home is a spiritual place, it's a holy place, it's a godly place, it's a place where, you know, the name of God is always on our lips, then they will grow up to know this and this will be their life. But if the home is not this, the, it's a place where we never pray, we never open the Bible, we never talk about God, the way that we deal with each other is not in a godly way, this is what they will be. Don't believe that you can bring children to the church and the church is going to fix the kids. If they grew up a certain way at the home, the church is not going to fix that, right? Because they are immersed in the home environment constantly, all the time, right? The church is here to support the family, not the other way around. Okay, so the devil, of course, knowing this, 
he has a very very like um high like like a very very big reason to attack the family because if the family is the place where the next generation of christians are incubated right and if he attacks the family then there are no next generation of christians right so this is why we see so much attack on the family we see the attacks through adultery we see the attacks through pornography we see the attacks through um, the redefinition of marriage the redefinition of family like you can have uh, two men and three women uh, two like whatever it is that people want to invent and say that this is a family because all of these systems right do not provide stability right for for children so the, the 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 place that that brings stability is the place that God intended for the family from the beginning which is a man and a woman living with their children this is this is the the, the intended system now it doesn't mean that if there is a system that's broken if so if this has been if there has been a separation or something it doesn't mean that no the, like like we have no hope no we can still live godly with what we have okay but but the 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 system that God intended from the beginning is that it's a man and a woman with their children right so any attack of this right any attack of this is to further the 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 attack on each member of the family to attack on the children actually in the book of Malachi when the Lord is speaking about why is it he made it so that when the man and the woman are married that they become one he said because I want godly offspring why one because I want godly offspring godly offspring comes from what it doesn't come from just bringing them to church it comes from being one right it comes from the unity of the family in, in the, the 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 that the parents who love god share that love with the kids so that they learn the love of god from them okay so so this is why god wants to protect the family right and adultery is one of the attacks on the family because adultery one of the people says i choose another path for myself that will damage my family but will bring me pleasure right this is what adultery is adultery is one of the people in the marriage says i would rather for the sake of my own ease pleasure enjoyment happiness whatever okay i'm going to seek out this at the expense of my family and some people maybe oftentimes it's men but but it can be women as well who think that they can have it all right like i can go out of the marriage i can have whatever relationship i want but i'm still going to have a good relationship with my kids and i'm still going to have this and like i'm not going to lose anything but i'm just satisfying myself because i feel empty i feel unhappy i when i want to be happy right in our society it's all about me being happy right well maybe my seeking my own personal happiness is going to destroy the lives of other people right other people that i have already made a commitment to them right i've already made a commitment saying to this person that i'm going to live with you for the rest of my life and saying to my children that i'm bringing you up you are my responsibility how is it that halfway down the path i can just say well sorry i changed my mind you know and i'm going to do do my own thing i don't have the freedom to do that because i've already made a decision to you i've already made a commitment to you and this is why marriage is about commitment right it's not about feelings it's about commitment right once i've decided to go through this then i have decided this is this is now my my choice and that choice is not something i can easily change right and if families were to um were to do this and if all the people were to be committed to one another in this way and committed to their spiritual life then we would be able to raise the next generation of christians 
um, even in the midst of the wicked generation that we're in, we would protect them. They would see the strongest example of goodness and love and holiness from us, that even when they see the contrary around us in the world, but the example that we show them in the home is so strong that they will be unaffected by anything else right, that they see. So the devil, knowing this, wants to destroy the family. right? And so the sexual temptation that comes to whether an, a single person or whether to a married person is so severe and so, so harsh and so strong Right? Because the devil knows that if he can get us to fall into this sexual immorality, then it will destroy us, and it will destroy the family, it will destroy the next generation. Right? And so this is why the Lord wants to protect us from this, and this is why there is such severe consequences, right? not because God wants to destroy us, but because God wants to protect us from falling into something that will destroy us. Right? In Matthew 5.32, But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, right? So, so it is the, the, the separation of the marriage, the destruction of the marriage, okay, that, that then will result in the brokenness that will follow from generation to generation. There's also adultery, which is not the physical act of adultery, but the adultery through the senses. And as I said, the Lord took this commandment of do not commit adultery, which was understood in the Old Testament as being the physical act, right, of adultery. But he took it and said, just as he did with all the other commandments, he said, um, I say to you, right, it's not what, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Because the Lord Jesus Christ took the commandments that the Jews had considered to be the letter, we have to follow it by the letter because that is how they interpreted the law to be followed by the letter. They, he took it and said, well, look deeper. And it's not just about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit of the law. Why is it that God even made such a commandment, right? Did he make the commandment simply because he, he wanted to prevent like the physical act of adultery? Well, sure, he wanted to prevent that. But there is something even deeper than that. Maybe the thing that even starts at the beginning, earlier, before the physical act. Because a person doesn't just go from, I'm in a great and happy marriage to the physical act of adultery. No, you, you, there's, 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 the, there's the, the spiritual adultery and there is the, the, the mental adultery, right? To, to lust, to begin to lust. This is why in the church we, we, we put a great emphasis on protecting ourselves from lust, from keeping ourselves pure, from confessing even our thoughts, right? Not just confessing my actions, but confessing my thoughts, because my thoughts lead to my actions, right? Whatever I begin to contemplate in my mind is what eventually I will, I will act out unless I stop it, unless I fight against it. That just because a thought comes to my mind, I shouldn't, I shouldn't indulge in it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't allow it, but I should fight it, and I should push back against it and not allow myself to consider it. And this is one of also the big issues with pornography. Pornography puts in our minds all kinds of thoughts, right, and all kinds of images, that even though this is not the physical act of adultery, but it is the mental act and is this the sin of the senses that, that makes a person to go down a bad path unless they stop it, right, unless they repent of it, unless they fight against it. There are many people who struggle with this pornography but are fighting it, right? Yes, it is a temptation, like many temptations, fight against it, okay? But there are some who just accept it as being, well, what's wrong with it? Some people even say it's healthy, you know? But no, it, it's a destruction of the mind, a destruction of the senses that eventually will lead to a destruction of life, destruction of self, a destruction of family. Um, so um, the Lord gave us very strict um, consequences for it. 
Adultery through the thoughts, like I said, could be impure thoughts. It could also be uh, imagina imagination or fantasizing. People who fantasize about different things, this also falls under the category of lust, something that should be repented of. There's also adultery through words, meaning there are people give, say like very coarse or sexually explicit jokes or music, something that our children are exposed to all the time, that if you can even try to understand the lyrics of what the music is saying, um, you'll find that there is very, very unclean words, right? Things that children are listening to. I remember actually, like years ago, I, I, I was listening to a song that I used to listen to as a kid. That as a kid, I never even paid attention to the words or what even they meant, right? And then I, so I, so I was like, out of my nostalgia, I was like listening to a song that I heard a long time ago. And I was shocked, like uh, what the words are saying. It's like, I was listening to this the whole time and I didn't even pay attention or understand what the words meant, but the words were not clean, like they were not good words, right? And, and so it's very easy now, this is actually one of the other ways that the devil attacks us. It's because he takes something that's wicked, right, and unholy, and he wraps it in something nice, right? Because people will say, well, I like the tune. I like the beat. Sounds nice. Yeah, okay, you know, maybe for you it sounds nice. But, but what's, if you look deeper inside of it, wh what is it? What is it actually promoting? It's promoting wickedness, right? It's promoting a lifestyle that's wrong. It's, promi it's promoting like promiscuity. It's promoting adultery. It's promoting lust. It's promoting all these things, right? But we're accepting it because we say, what? well, it sounds nice. It's like, well, what is more important? Can you find something else that sounds nice that's not this? I'm sure there are other things that sound nice, right? That doesn't have to be this. Um, flirtation is another one. Something also that young people very much like. The idea of flirtation is kind of like so common right? Um, people play with relationships, play with the emotions of each other, right? People like to feel like this person is like uh, attracted to me, or I, I like to feel like sexually desirable. Um, so I want, I want to attract attention. I want people to look at me. I want people to see me. I want people to respect me. I want, so people will manipulate each other, right? In order to get this right from them. And even though maybe this is like the very, very early stage of what would eventually lead to something like lust or adultery, but it is, right? The, the boundaries between boys and girls, like youth, for instance, and even adults as well, is um, very, uh, very loose now, right? There's not, there's not clear boundaries as, as, as there should be. Um, and, and, and people allow themselves to, to get kind of emotionally very connected or attached with each other, um, like a few people with the opposite sex, where there is n no reason that that should be allowed, right? Because you are you are setting yourself up for a big big failure. If you look at the example of Joseph the righteous, right? Like Joseph, he was a victim of all his circumstances. Like he was he was a slave, okay, essentially, and he was told that he has to do a certain task and a job in Potiphar's house, right? And he's doing what he was should be doing, and he was doing it great. And then as a part of this, and he was a youth, right? Part of this, he attracted the attention of Potiphar's wife, right? And she wanted to be with him. He could have very easily uh, made all kinds of excuses to justify why he had no choice, why he's going to get in trouble if he doesn't consent to this. And also as a young man and as a person who's essentially been enslaved, who's living in very harsh circumstances, like maybe this for him would be like a ticket. Like, you know, maybe maybe if this happens, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll she'll, she'll help me to, to escape or she'll help me, whatever, like could have come into his mind like at the time. Um, but he was so like strict with what he allowed himself to do, right? That I cannot even be in the same house with this woman. 
now that I know that she has these advances toward me, he, 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 he ran away. He physically ran away. He didn't just say, no, I don't want to do it. No, he ran. He, like, he didn't even trust himself. So the idea of like the, these very loose boundaries that men and women have or boys and girls have with each other, like young, young youth with each other, it is, it is not healthy by any means. Um, and it sets people up for broken relationships, failures, people who are not mature enough even to be in a relationship start to toy with these things. That, you know, like my kids tell me, like even kids that are in like first and second grade, they have boyfriends and girlfriends. Like really? Like what is that? You know, um, they were saying like like a boy in high school asked another girl in high school to marry him and she said yes and they're going to get married. Like this culture that is propagated by society, by social media, by celebrities, by the idea that they have to be in relationships. And unless you're in a relationship, like you're valueless. You have nothing if you're not in a relationship, right? That promotes this to our kids that sexuality is something very cheap, something that we can very easily sell. We can very easily give it away. And I remember years ago, there was a, a talk for the high school youth in one of the high school conventions in the diocese. And one of the priests there was giving a talk about how you should save yourself for marriage and remain a virgin until marriage. And he gave like the girls these like uh, rings. And I don't remember what they were called, but they're like rings that they would, or, or necklaces, I think. Huh? Yeah, something like that. Where they would keep these and you keep them until you give it to your husband. Right? That was the thing. And by the end of the conference, they had already given away. <laughs> so so there is this intense like temptation right and and there's also everyone who is in this situation is fooled because those girls I'm sure when they were wanting to give this away right they thought to themselves well he's the one like he's the one he's like he's 16 and you know like 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 it, 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 there's foolishness it's foolish like it's a, it's a lack of a maturity it's a lack of experience to think that this person that you're seeing in front of you because you feel so emotionally strong toward them, that they have everything, that this is actually going to be your husband? No. Like, you don't have the wisdom yet to, to understand what it takes for that to, to, to work out. And so, so, so kids are, are, are so, like, manipulated in their emotions and what the media tells them and whatnot to where they need strict, strict, strict guidelines and boundaries from the parents because they are not able to make these judgments by themselves. They are necessarily fooled. They are necessarily confused. And, and, and it's impossible for them to really see that until they get a little older, which is why we have to help this along. We, ha we, can't, we can't just let them do whatever they, are, they want. We have to be very careful with them. And so the idea that men and women or boys and girls are flirting with each other, this is dangerous, right? And this also very much leads to adultery. Some people also like these romantic love stories, right? And maybe these romantic stories and movies and stuff, it leads also people to, to dream and fantasize and imagine. And, you know, we, we, we love it at the end when, like, you know, they get together and they live happily ever after, right? But they don't show you what happened 10 years later, what happens five years later when they're living together and they're miserable, right? Like, they're not, they're not, they, all they show you is that, that first moment of, like, joy that they have. But it's like, why is it that the divorce rate is so high? Did those people who get divorced, like, were they miserable on their wedding day? No, probably not. Probably they were happy on their wedding day, and they thought that this relationship was going to last forever. But they didn't go into it with the right mindset. They didn't go into it understanding what is it that they're committing to. All they went into was something very superficial, something very emotional, something that they didn't really understand. Like, what am I doing? And who is it that I've chosen? Because in the end, the person that I've chosen is my, is my choice. It's my responsibility. You can't blame anyone but myself. Like, I chose this person. 
Didn't you know how they were? Didn't you know how they talked? Didn't you know their personality? Didn't you know their character? Well, you should have. You know, you shouldn't have made a decision otherwise. But all of these problems, okay, help promote this pandemic of adultery, right? Because people uh, have loose boundaries. People allow themselves to, to, to talk and interact with the opposite sex in, a, in an unwise, immature way. People have fantasies. They don't understand really what they're doing. They, they allow themselves to be emotionally fueled by whatever media, whatever stories, whatever thing. So they just want to promote their emotions and they begin to lose their mind. Really, when someone is in this state, they lose their mind, right? Um, because, because they're not able to see what is real versus what is fantasy. And they make decisions based on what is fantasy, not based on... Uh, what is real? I think this is a good stopping point. Does anyone have any comments? Okay, we can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O Lord, that you help us to understand your commandments and that these commandments are not something, O Lord, that are artificial, that you want us to follow simply to demonstrate our obedience to you, but they are all things that are intended to guard us and to protect us and to keep us, O Lord, safe from all the temptations of the enemy and from all the temptations of this world. We ask, O Lord, that you implant them in our heart and you help us, O Lord, to see them as they are, as something, O Lord, that we can pursue and desire, O Lord, to fulfill and desire to complete in perfection not only to please you, O Lord, but to protect ourselves. We ask, O God, for your grace, and that during this time of the Holy Great Fast, we ask your mercy for all the failures, for all the weaknesses, for all the times that we have given in to temptation, and we know, O Lord, that you can lift us up again and restore us again to yourself. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.